0: Joining us this afternoon, David Tabrit from Newcastle Animal Referral and Emergency Centre, and Michelle Hamilton from Barker's Imbalance. Welcome all. G'day, Merrill. How are things?
1: Yeah, pretty good.
0: How's that, how's the week been, David? Busy week with the weather being a bit cooler. We're seeing, you know, an increase in puppies and things.
1: Well, um, there's a few areas I think that uh, dogs always seem to find their way into trouble, Ooh. no matter no matter what the season. So no, the, yeah, okay. sure, the the ticks and the snakes have dropped off, but uh, we've more indoor problems now.
0: I think it's uh, I think it's illness through wrongly chosen tartan coat often.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's that's a killer. The tar- tartanitis. That's Ooh, right. Shit.
0: <laughs> Michelle, you're going to uh, bring to us today a breeder of the escape artist of the animal kingdom, the beagle.
2: That's correct. I oh, am.
0: Looks and sounds like a lot of fun. Bobby Heb says it's sunny. Let's see. Usually Julie Tolliday is in, but Michelle has very gladly taken her place today because she has to uh, do something else. So a big warm new welcome to Michelle, first timer, don't be frightened, it's really easy and and if you get confused, just ask David because he knows what he's doing far more about this than I do at this stage, Michelle.
2: (laughs) Okay, thanks, Meryl.
0: Now on the line, we have Jackie Dahl, who happens to breed beagles. Welcome, Jackie.
2: Hi, how are you? Hi, good, Jackie, good to hear from you again. Hello, lovely. Nice to hear from you and you're a radio star now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so today we've got a couple of questions we'd like to ask you um, so that the listeners can work out what they need to look for when buying a pup.
3: Well, there's a number of things I think that they should look for. Yeah. Uh, gosh, gosh, the list is probably quite long, but I think that you want to look for someone who's selling a puppy that's um, eight to ten weeks of age. Yep. I wouldn't be interested in anything that was any younger than that because it's not being weaned uh, sufficiently from mum. And those last few weeks with mum are incredibly important for socialisation for your dog. And the other reason I think that it's also important to keep, uh, to get a puppy that's just that little bit older is that at ten weeks, um, and I like my puppies to go at ten weeks because people can take them straight to the vet then for a vet check and for their second vaccination. And it means that the puppy only then has to be isolated at home for a week to ensure that they've got some protection um, from parvovirus
2: and things like that. And that's really important too, because then your puppy's pretty much ready to go straight off to puppy preschool at that stage.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And if they, if they take a puppy home at six or eight weeks, they've, still, they've got a number of weeks where they do have to keep it isolated and, you know, things can go wrong. People can, you know, have friends come over with dogs and they can actually make mistakes and think it's okay and all of a sudden they have a very sick puppy. So um, it's better to be safe than sorry.
2: Yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, so what should prospective owners expect to see about the living conditions of the pups? So not did the owners do the dishes and put the rubbish out, but what, <laughs> with the pups, what should they expect to see?
3: Well, I think that the, the, the priority for everyone, I think, has to be the welfare of all the animals that they see. I think that you want to see living conditions that are clean. They don't have to be, you know, pristine and expensive and all of that sort of thing. I think that you want clean conditions, you want fresh water available, you want to see puppies that have toys. Um, The other thing that is really important is that the adult dogs that are there need to, I think, clearly demonstrate that they love the owner because I think that that's a very, very clear indication of a loving home, I think that people can always put on a little bit of a show if if they like when they've got prospective uh, puppy people coming to look at puppies. But I think that um, the behaviour of the older dogs always tells people whether the dogs are loved and well cared for. And I think that that's um, a vital clue as to where you're buying from, whether you're going to get a well-socialised puppy.
2: That's absolutely right.
3: Yeah, puppies should want to, you know, rush over and investigate. But I think the older dogs is always such an important indication of the type of home that your puppy's coming out of.
2: Yeah, particularly because why do we get dogs? To be companionable. So we don't want them to not have a good relationship with us.
3: No, absolutely. And I think that it's just so important to know that those puppies are coming from a home with, you know, dogs that are companionable, they want to be with you, and, you know, those sorts of things are very important genetic things. Yep. Um, as well as, you know, supported by an environment. Sure. So people want a good companion that's going to be with them for, you know, we hope sort of 14 or so years. So it's a, a long term, um, family commitment, an individual commitment. So it's very important.
2: Yeah. And, and how important is it to see the dad as well?
3: Well, sometimes you can't see dad. That's, um, you know, for many registered breeders, they're using other people's, um, dogs as dad. And he may live in another state or, you know, in my case, on a number of occasions, Dad's actually lived overseas. So visitors couldn't see Dad. I certainly provided photos of Dad and lots of information. But they were certainly able to meet Mum and all of my other dogs so that um, there was no no secrets.
2: Yeah.
3: But yeah. you want to know about Dad. And, you know, if people are using dogs overseas, well, then Dad will have a career online. They'll be able to look Dad up. And they'll be able to see, um, you know, what sort of dog he actually is. But in some cases, you can't see dad, but you should always be able to see mum. Yeah. And you should hopefully be able to see other dogs if they have other dogs.
2: Okay, that's good. And, and like a photo is a good substitute too, isn't it?
3: Well, yeah, you can see dad, and then, you know, if he's, if he's a, you know, an overseas dog, he'll come from a kennel that, that should have all about him online and about their other dogs so that you can sort of see, well, he comes from, um, a very good background, and, and some in Australia has you know, gone to the trouble of spending probably quite a lot of money to probably to have uh, try and have some puppies from him here. So it's a big investment, and puppies should be then very
2: well looked after. Sure. So when we're looking at a puppy, regardless of the breed or type, what sorts of physical things should help us decide whether we should take that particular puppy?
3: Well, I think that um, a puppy should always be active. You may arrive, it might be late in the day, puppies might be tired, they might be waking up for sleep. So I think sensible judgment should prevail. Mm-hmm. But you would expect any puppy to be curious about you. And, you know, puppies like children have all different sorts of personalities, but you would expect a well-socialised puppy to be curious enough to want to come over and meet visitors. And if food, if, if the breeder produces some food or some treats, you'd expect the puppies to be, you know... Very super enthusiastic. You would want the puppies to be nice and, nice and fat. You'd want them to have, you know, good covering on their bones, shiny coat, bright eyes. Um, you'd certainly want, you know, no gastric, um, they have a strange smell about them. That can sometimes indicate that they're wormy. Uh, potty belly and other things like that are not what you're looking for. So bright, shiny coat, bright-eyed, curious, All those sorts of things are are very keen indicators. And I know that, you know, one of the common things that people sort of believe is that, you know, the puppy that comes running up to you is the puppy for you, but really it needs to be the puppy that you want to have. So if you like a puppy that's sitting or, you know, maybe isn't in your face, is, you know, happy to meet you, but not probably quite as bold as the one that's leaping all over you, um, it, it, that may be the puppy for you.
2: Right. And that kind of leads me to my next question as well. What are your top tips for people who want to get themselves a puppy?
3: Well, I think the top tip is is really um, let the buyer beware. We're seeing some really good ads on the TV at the moment for some of the living conditions that puppies are bred in. And I've um, you know recently had some great inquiries wanting to see um, photos before they come to visit of the sorts of conditions that my dogs live in. And I really like buyers exactly like that because they're researching what they're getting. Then they, they're knowing everything they can before they come out and even start meeting anybody. And, you know, it, buying a dog is not an impulse. So you never buy on impulse because hopefully you're going to have that dog for 12 to 16 years. So, you can't make a mistake. It's a long-term investment, and it's a long-term investment not only for an individual or a family, but for the dog as well. You want the dog to have a family that loves them for their whole life.
2: Yeah, that's that's some great advice we've got from you. Thanks for your help today, Jackie.
3: My pleasure. Enjoy the rest of your time on the radio, and I'm sure you'll give everyone some great
2: information. <laughs> Thank you. Bye. Bye. That's Jackie Dahl,
0: who's a beagle breeder, and it sounds as though she really knows up from down. I love that advice about, uh, you know, really not just... Thinking the dog that runs up to you is the one, you know, make sure you get one that's for you, because I think that really is a big myth. Yeah. And, it's got and... to
2: meet your lifestyle, really.
0: David Tabrit is from the Newcastle Animal Referral and Emergency Centre. I, I think I'm going to just start calling it NAFRIC. No, NAREC. Na- oh, sorry. Yeah, what did I get? N-A-R-E-C. NAREC. Narek. That'll do. NAREC.
1: That's what we call it. D- do you? Yeah.
0: That's what I'd when, call it too.
1: Yeah, when we're not tired at 2am and <laughs> we might call it something else and the phone rings
0: and it's like oh okay. no we, we we're there to
1: we're there to help people you are so, and indeed. we're here to help people today
0: we are 49216216 is the number david you want to talk about toxins in the home today and you've, mm. you've had an interesting case this week are you happy to share this one
1: yeah, it sort of goes goes along with our topic because we, you know, we see a lot of uh, dogs that are poisoned with various um, mechanisms, and oftentimes it's uh, problems in the shed and things outside, but there's also problems inside. And there was an unusual toxin inside the house that we saw. I saw a dog last week that presented very similar to a snail bait, a lot of tremors and so on. And uh, he's had no access to toxins, so we sort of worked our way through the 20 questions and came up with, we think he had eaten some mouldy bolognese that had been left in a pot. Right. And uh, as it turns out, there's uh, some types of fungus and moulds actually produce a toxin called tremogenic mycotoxin, and so they actually produce these symptoms of tremors and it almost looks like a dog having seizures. So uh, we hospitalised our little dog and um, with some... Medication and uh, treatment overnight made a good recovery.
0: The danger in the home is not doing the dishes.
1: Yes, You're putting the absolutely. putting the boiling pot Me... outside
0: and forgetting about it. <laughs>
1: I don't think it works, does it? No, it doesn't at all. Makes life harder.
0: So, okay, what are some of these toxins?
1: So the main ones we really worry about, if you if you have a look under your sink, and I think the principle of you know child safety around the house and so on, it's very much the same for your pets. Just be aware that uh, pets, if you're cleaning, is a, is a very very important one, and uh, even if they're not attracted to the product. They're not licking at it. Sometimes what they'll do is they will walk over a surface that's been cleaned. So you might be mopping the floor or you're scrubbing down the bathroom or the kitchen and your cat or dog comes in, walks across and then sits down later and licks their feet. And most of the products are actually quite caustic. Uh, mm-hmm. They have an alkaline nature, which means that when uh, they get access or exposed to the mucous membranes in the mouth and on the tongue, they're quite irritating and can produce pretty dramatic um, symptoms and uh, problems for your pet, basically burning the flesh. So oh. we've got to be really careful, and, and most people would be aware of the safety aspect under their sinks, and uh, just be aware that your pets may well be a risk for that as well. Sure.
0: Bob's on the line. He has a question about his whippet. Hello, Bob.
4: How are you around, mate? G'day, Bob. Yeah. Hello, mate. Have a good day. Uh, it's about me all log. Oh, hello, log. Talking Jack Lang about my dog.
1: Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> What's going on with your little whippet dog?
4: I, well, she's not little anyway. She's spoiled. But what well, she's been doing for the last, I don't know, four to five weeks, been drinking a lot of water. Uh huh. Is that usual, or she got that man's got liver disease or kidney disease or?
1: Well, I think you're right to be a little bit concerned. How old is she?
4: No, know she's a rescue job. Um, yeah. They reckon she's, we're about nine, they reckon she's about ten. Okay, that's what so, the vet said, go and buy a teeth or something, I don't
1: know. Yeah, well, in, well into the second half of her life then. Yeah, I'd, I'd certainly... I don't
4: say things like that.
1: <laughs> what, is she listening?
4: <laughs>
1: yes. Oh, no. Um, <clears throat> so I think I, I'd be concerned as well, and generally we would see you know, in the winter period, you might think, well, they're going to consume less water, and that's quite true. We often would... Uh, you can actually measure the amount of water. If you've only got one dog, this is an easy oh, thing I do, to do. I
4: do. I, I do it by those little uh, boxes of water that you buy from the shop.
1: Right. But I give
4: a tap water, of course. Oh, right. I think it's... Uh, I don't know what they do. them. You
1: know, those
4: little bottles of water
1: you buy? Yep, yeah, yep, yep.
4: Yeah, about two of them a day. Oh, yeah.
1: And how heavy do you think she is?
4: Oh, I know how heavy she is. Real so, heavy. Uh, about 22, I think. 22 kilos.
1: That's pretty huge for a whippet.
4: And she's pretty fat. And, uh, is she? <laughs> oh, well... Oh, my, mate. She's small, rotten. Because, as I said, she's a rescue dog.
1: Sounds like she's on a good wicket, but i Oh, she's yeah. on the
4: best, mate. She just sleeps in your bed, pushes her over, head butcher, if you're... I put the blankets
1: on it properly and uh, oh. yeah. You've got to look after them. So, I would, yeah, I'd be concerned. I guess the things we see mostly are kidney disease and diabetes. Uh, there's a couple of other conditions um, associated with dysfunction of the adrenal gland, which is produces cortisol. So, you can get um, Cushing's syndrome or Cushing's disease, which will make them drink more. So, usually when we're facing a dog that's got a problem where they're drinking, and subsequently urinating more. We'll run no, a... she's
4: not urinating more. She's oh. just drinking a lot, that's all. And, oh, she has a wee wee every now and then, yep. but no more than usual when we first got her about nine years ago.
1: Might want to get her che- kidneys checked out. So I think that's a, a good marker for heading off to the vet and uh, probably a blood test and a urine test and they'll be able to give you an answer. Hopefully it's nothing and they can give her an all clear but I'd certainly get it checked yeah, it'll
4: out. Yeah, it be nothing. Yeah, it me about
1: Six hundred. Well, oh, all right. let's hope she gets a clean bill of health. Yeah, uh, good luck, and let us know how you get on, Bob.
0: Good on you, Bobby. Thanks a lot for the call. Twenty to one. It's Pet Chat. Four nine two one six two one six is the telephone number. And we've been talking about toxins in the home. Uh, what other things should we be looking out for, David?
1: Well, a lot of people will go around their house and do a bit of a clean-up. And one of the things I've seen people do is they'll lay some uh, rat baits or mice baits.
0: Oh, coming uh, into winter when rats and mice mm, sometimes
1: mm, look come to come inside. Come inside, that's right. So um, you've got to be, most people would be aware these are highly toxic, yeah, highly toxic to dogs. Now, if you look at the packaging on a lot of products, you will find some of them will say that they're dog-safe or dog-friendly and so on. And there are certainly some products contain what we call bitterance, which means that when the dog eats them, it's distasteful, so they will only consume a small amount. Thus, that limits the amount of toxin they're exposed to. However, in my experience, most dogs really don't care. They'll just eat whatever they can. Mm. So I would be very cautious about if you do have baits around, and I have to say that in all my years of working, particularly in emergency for the last 14, 15 years, Every single time I've seen a dog that's had rat bait poisoning, people say to me, I had no idea how he got it. It was up on the cupboard. It was behind the lounge. It was here. It was there. And so when you're placing them, you think, oh, there's no way my dog could get to this. But You'd be, be, surprised. A, be Be assured, dogs are very, very clever. And the the thing about rat bait poisoning is that when they ingest the toxin, they actually don't show any symptoms the problems going to hit them sort of three, four, five, seven days later. Oh, really? So they don't show any signs of illness, and you think, oh well, he's okay. He's had, he, you know, he had this bait, but it didn't actually do anything. But it's going to cause problems later on. And if you can get them treated earlier, uh, so soon after they've actually ingested or had a possible ingestion of of the toxin of the bait, the sooner we can treat them, the more likely we are to get a successful treatment. Uh, and, and get the toxin out of their system.
0: Is that because a lot of those uh, rat bait and mice bait products are based on a blood thinning type uh Application. I don't want to use any brand names, but like yeah, people might be familiar with warfarin, which is the, the human uh, blood thinner. Yep. It's a kind of similar thing that they're trying to do, and and the pretext behind it is that the rodent will go in search of water because they get thirsty. Am I completely misguided with this information, or
1: um, no? Warfarin is the um, sort of the the standard product that we refer to. It's uh, what we call a type one and um, it has a, a lower thr- sort of um, toxicity in that uh, they actually need to ingest it daily for a week or so before okay. it produces an effect. But there are what we call uh, type 2 and type 3, which are more toxic. Okay. And so the, the principle, however, is the same. The reason they don't show symptoms is that, Our bodies are very, very, dogs and humans are very um, well equipped to, you know, if we're in a car accident or something or sustain a bruise, our blood is able to clot and stop the bleeding. Yes. But what happens is there's a lot of reserve capacity. So when we ingest or take a product that actually causes uh, a blockage of the the production of these um, proteins that cause clotting, it takes about three days for our body's reserve capacity to disappear. And, of course, there's no more being produced because we've got this toxin on board. Of course. So that's why there's that delay.
0: Okay, mm. so that's an excellent piece of information. If you, even if you do suspect that your dog may have ingested rat poison or mouse poison and you think, oh, they're okay, really, in a few days you might, or it might if, go downhill pretty rapidly. If there's a
1: suspicion, then the sooner we treat them, the better.
0: Dave, have you got Doggy of the Week there?
1: Yes, people can actually go on to the 2 FM website and go to the program pages to Pet Chat. Excellent. And down the bottom of the page, we've got uh, Magnificent Morgan.
0: Oh, he sounds nice. What
1: is he? He looks very happy. He's a one-year-old Mastiff Cross Red Cattle Dog. So he's got this short red and white coat, very loving, very loyal. And he's a people dog, an extrovert he gets on well, not just with people, but with dogs as well, which is always good. That's a winner. He's very curious and energetic. Well, he's one year old, so that's fair enough. But if you're expecting a big, large guard dog, well, he's more likely to just wag his body and say hello to your guests. So, <laughs> <laughs> Which uh, which can um, just need to be careful with him around smaller children because, uh, obviously, he's so energetic that he may well knock them over. Okay. He's not a fussy eater, and that's another tick. He's happy to sleep in a warm place outside. I'm not sure where you'd find one at the moment. No. <laughs> he might have to uh, take Bob's advice and hop on the bed. I I shouldn't say that.
0: No, no. Uh,
1: Doc, Dr. Rob Stable is going to rouse on me for some. That's right, that. you'll
0: be in big trouble. Uh,
1: but he hasn't, uh, hasn't showed any tendency to escape or dig, so he's obviously very happy at the moment. He's walking well on a lead. He's been taught to sit. Uh, He probably would respond quite well to more manners training as he's very smart and showing himself to be a fast learner. He would be best if he goes uh, to a home, a forever home that has another dog for company. Well, there's another tick as well. That's good. Uh, He's uh, got a lovely nature and we're hoping that he will find a family soon. Uh, He's D-sex vaccinated, been treated for worms and fleas, microchipped and lifetime registered. Uh, for $300, he can be adopted through dogrescuenewcastle.com.au or call Anita on 0400 107 603 or, as I said, go to the Pet Chat page on 2NURFM.
0: RFM. is an excellent-sounding dog, David. Thank you for that. It's Pet Chat time and we're taking your calls. We've got Kim on the line who's got a problem with her cat.
5: Welcome, Kim. Hi. are you going?
1: Hi, Kim. We're great. How can we help you?
5: Look, it's my daughter's cat. Mm -hmm. Uh, She got her when she was very, very young, otherwise the kitten wouldn't have survived to adulthood. Mm -hmm. Now, she can be very friendly, very loving, the sweetest little cat you could wish for, but then all of a sudden she'll go absolutely berserk And she'll bite them, she'll scratch their arms to pieces. I went up there last week and her daughter, my daughter's boyfriend showed me his hands and arms and I thought they'd actually been in a home invasion.
1: Oh my goodness. Home invasion by cat? Yep. And my daughter's
5: hand was twice the size it should have been through two bites.
1: Ouch, yeah. Yeah, always important with cat bites to make sure that they seek med- medical attention. I have yeah, seen well, some nasty did. infections. Um,
5: yep. once I've seen the damage, I said, "I'd to the hospital with you."
1: Fair enough. Yeah, the uh, the thing about cats is there's a theory is that they love two and a half pats. Yep. So you know, you go two, and your cat's sitting there, lovely and soaking it up, and you go to put give them the third pat, and they turn and launch on you. And uh, it's this nature of cats that's both attractive but also uh, unattractive about them. And uh, you just need to be able to, in some ways, read their body language and probably realise that it very quickly becomes overstimulating for the cat. Um, Cats and dogs are quite different. They'll show their preferences for how they want to be handled. So generally the cat will come and seek out attention or behaviour, but just be very aware that, there's a very fine line between just enough and too much.
0: We hope that helps you there, uh, Kim. Mm. All the best yes. with the cat. Yeah, that's that's good. Good yes. on you. Thank you so much. It can be tricky. They uh, they can be quite tricky, the little pussycats. Sandra, hello.
6: How are you? Um, I've got a question about a dog. I've got a Kelpie blue cattle dog cross. Mm-hmm. Um, she started off with what looked like a little tiny pimple in the side of the eye, and it looked as though it was joined by just the tiniest little piece of skin. Mm-hmm. And she had it for a good while, and then over the last six or eight months, it started to grow and now it's probably the size of a small ball bearing. Oh my goodness! Yeah. And it just—it doesn't affect her side and it doesn't upset her. But I think that the thing is that she might be rubbing it mm. because it has enlarged over this last six or twelve months. Yes. I just wondered um, what sort, what, what, what did it be? But it, would the...
1: are her, um, are her eyelids able to close? Yes. Yeah. Good.
6: It, onto the side of a nose
1: and it's
6: it it looks to be held by the littlest time about a millimeter of skin a friend of mine said to me we're only new here, she said to me when we left mackay oh, you could probably just put a piece of cotton and just pull it off almost (laughs) it's that small i know
1: i know what you're talking about i've seen this problem quite a bit before and uh oftentimes you're right, they'll just sit there and won't cause any problems, but then they suddenly start to grow and you think, oh, hang on a sec, should we do something about it? Yeah. And uh, I think you're sort of stuck in between a rock and a hard place because it's probably something that should be removed. Right. Um, It's more than likely a benign mass. It may be a little bit of cystic tissue in there. Right. And so long-term, it's not going to cause great health problems, but it certainly could become annoying. And once it gets to the stage that it's... um, Ulcerated or they're rubbing it, then there's a risk yeah. of infection. So right. it is better to be removed. Right. Um, but yeah. one, once that's done, it should be, you know, it shouldn't come yeah. back and at would all.
6: would that be a costly thing to have it removed?
1: Would well, you it, have it to depends on, it? yeah, it depends on the actual location of it and the right. size because. You know, yeah. it may be something that can be done with some local anaesthetic and a sedative right. or obviously dogs aren't as, you know, compliant as what yeah. we are. They won't just lie there, lie still while we do stuff. So well, that's right. we yeah. might need to use a general anaesthetic yeah, for that sort right. of problem.
6: Yeah. So, yeah, you th- feel that maybe um, I should have it removed. I,
1: I always yeah. think so because yeah. while, you, while you're looking at it and it's small, that's great. But, you yeah. know, you don't want to come back in three months and it's huge and now it's a real problem. So, right, better so to the get bigger
6: it-, it gets, the harder it'll be to remove. Yes,
1: yes. All
6: right. Yeah, no. It's just I right. no wondered what it was. You know, it just it, it it doesn't seem to be affecting her in any way. Um, yes. Yeah, for for the moment. As though somebody stuck a little tiny ball bearing on the edge of her eye, and as I said, it it you can all you can uh, I can pick it up and wobble it backwards and forwards. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's
0: all right, Sandra, and we'll have to let you go okay. there, but all that's the best. Great.
1: Thank Good you on very now. much for Thanks, your time. Bye now. It's Bye.
0: Pet Chat, and we've been uh, answering your calls this afternoon. Don't forget about Morgan. Go to the 2NUR website to find out more about that. In in the minute or so we've got left, Michelle, did you want to talk quickly about the dog shows that are on?
2: Absolutely. Um, very busy time for dog shows all around New South Wales. Uh, upcoming ones at Hillsborough include Newcastle and Merriweather Combined All Breeds Show on the 5th and 6th of June, Brisbane Water Legacy Dog Club on the 14th of June. That's a fundraising day. And Warners Bay Dog Sports Club, 26th and 27th of June. The other one that I did want to mention was um, the Dogs New South Wales Dogs on Show Championship Show and Public Open Day in June on the thirteenth. That's at the Bill Spillsteed Complex for Canine Affairs at Orchard Hills. Um, so anyone who might be interested in knowing more about a particular breed is more than welcome to go along there and talk to representatives from different breeds um, via Dogs New South Wales and get as much info as they can. More information on the Dogs New South Wales org dot au website
0: excellent michelle thank you so much and well done for your first crack at this uh, radio gig it's not too bad is it
2: no it was fine
0: thank I think, you i think you've done a really good <laughs> job michelle hamilton there from barker's imbalance and dave's an old hand at it he knows what he's doing so i uh, just you know trucks on in and does well, the job
1: i didn't have any headphones <laughs> but now you do Oh, we're good now yeah, you, yeah. you've
0: done really well thank you <laughs> we'll, we won't perhaps see both of you next week but we'll see you in due course all right good on you